and welcome to the Post Party Project. My name is Amy Heinrich and I am your host. Join me as we chat all things postpartum, celebrating the highs and supporting you through the lows. Everything pregnancy and birth is just such an exciting time, but often chats about postpartum experiences get missed or overlooked because everything's about the baby, which we are also totally here for. But I'm here to hear you and hold you, figuratively speaking, and to listen to your experience. Think of this podcast as your safe space to share, vent, cry, laugh, and know that you're not alone. Now, let's get into it. Welcome back to the show. I hope you're having a great day. In today's chat, I'm joined again by the lovely Jasmine from The Wholesome Heart. Jasmine is a women's health and nutrition coach specializing in gut health and banishing the bloat. If you listened to last week's episode, that was a chat that I had recorded with Jasmine a couple of years ago. Um, It is more of a broad general chat about all things gut health, but it is such a goodie. Um, I got so much out of that episode and I wanted to really them back to back on the post party project so it's kind of a flow and effect and yeah you can see where Jasmine see what Jasmine's up to two years later (laughs) Um, today we dive into Jasmine's pregnancy birth and postpartum and some of the things that popped up for her postpartum that she wasn't expecting she actually had to go back into hospital to have surgery on a retained placenta she speaks about the amount of antibiotics that she was put on and as we know everything that mum consumes, baby consumes if you're breastfeeding. So the baby would be getting the antibiotics and everything through the breast milk. So Jasmine talks to us about what we can do to optimize baby's gut if that happens to you, if you have to go back into surgery or if you have to go on antibiotics for any reason. Uh, I learned I so much in today's chat. I hope you get a lot out of it too. It was such a great reminder on some of the things that we can implement today to improve our health, no matter what stage of postpartum that you might be in. I think sometimes things just get super overwhelming and it is easy just to kind of fall in that into that daily grind so yeah speaking to Jasmine she just has a few tips that can really help us stay grounded Um, I got a lot out of it so yeah would love to know your thoughts if you enjoy today's episode it would be so fabulous if you could leave me a written review on the Apple podcast app and subscribe so you don't miss an episode anyway let's get into today's chat Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jasmine. I am so excited to have my gut health queen back on the podcast. (laughs) So thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to get stuck into it. I've been wanting to do this for so long and I mean, even my postpartum journey feels so long ago, but it's still going. Mm, yeah, like it never really ends, I guess. It never ends. <laughs> and I can't believe how long it's been since I last spoke to you. When I released the episode the other day, like the re-released it, I was like, when was this, 2020? Like it seems yes. like yesterday, but then it's two years. <laughs> I know. I think I was literally seven or eight weeks pregnant when we did it and mm. we were talking about all things pregnancy. And then I think I even said to you, I'm actually pregnant, don't tell anyone. <laughs> Yeah. And now here we are. We can discuss your your postpartum journey. (laughs) Um, So wait, we should start start from the beginning. If anyone hasn't, Mm. don't, doesn't know you or hasn't listened to the other episodes, give us a little rundown on you and what you do. Yes. So 
specifically I more work with gut health, digestion, bloating, all these types of things specifically within women. Um, and so obviously working on gut health and the root cause of where it's all coming from. And then I guess really just supporting. My main role really is to support a woman with her nervous system and like what, what things are stressing you out. I'm, I work really holistically in that sense. So not just the food you eat, but the people you surround yourself with, the work that you do or like your family life, how you're sleeping, what your stress levels are like. Um, and bringing it all together just to give you that ultimate thriving health. So it all starts in the gut 100%, um, but then we just add in all of the pieces and the building blocks of a healthy woman. Mm, yeah, epic. Yeah. So um, how was the rest of your pregnancy from when I spoke to you last? Or how, I guess how was your pregnancy in a whole um, in a whole sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, like I was very lucky. I had a great easy pregnancy. Like I didn't really have... Um, any issues throughout, I didn't have um, anything come up, you know, uh, like gestational diabetes or anything like that. I was so lucky. Um, and I think like it really, everyone is just so different in the way their bodies experience pregnancy. Like it really doesn't matter how healthy you are or anything. Like obviously that does impact it, but you can be the healthiest person and still get gestational diabetes and stuff like this. So, um, but I was very lucky in that sense of having quite a smooth pregnancy. I think I had maybe one little scare and I think that was really brought on by stress because obviously our nervous system is just in overdrive during pregnancy um, and we had a bit of a stressful house move, which fun fact, I asked the hospital because uh, when I went in, I said like, why would a woman who is pregnant, I think I was at 30 weeks, like why would you move house at 30 weeks pregnant? And they said, it's ridiculous, the stats that come in of pregnant women moving house at like, you know, the 30 plus weeks because I guess we just want a bigger house for the bigger mm. family or like we're planning those types of things. But really when you think of it in logic mind, why would you do that to yourself when mm. you are heavily pregnant? It mm. doesn't make sense. Um, so I had a bit of a scare then, um, but everything was fine when I went into hospital. Um, and yet Henry was actually two and a half weeks overdue before I went into hospital. Oh my gosh. Wow. What, what, what was like the lead up to your birth? Were you like considering or were your doctors suggesting induction or like how did all that come about? Um, so they were definitely suggesting induction and I had like I did a lot of hypnobirthing before I did, um, you know, I really focused on that. I guess connecting back to my body and really being in the trusting of the process and trusting of when he would come earthside. But as like the weeks went on, the hospital was like, okay, I think we might have waited enough. And I'm like, oh, can we just wait a little bit longer? Can we wait a bit longer? I went in on a Friday and they said, we really want to induce you. And I said, can I just have the weekend? Like, I really think he's close to coming. I had um, an osteo who I was seeing literally every day to every second day just to help things move to get him into the right position. And he was in the right position and he was ready. I was getting a lot of, um, you know, the Braxton Hicks. My body was doing what it needed to do. But he's just a little cool, and this is so funny, but he's genuinely a little koala baby and probably would go back up into my womb if he could. He just <laughs> wants to be attached all the time and loves cuddling, loves being close. So I think he just was like, this is so comfy in here. Like, I'm not coming out. It's winter. Let me just stay in here. Um, so as it kind of, yeah, went over, the weekend passed. He was not coming out, whatever was happening. It was a long weekend um, over that weekend, the Queen's birthday weekend. And then I was like, let's just wait one more day. Like, let's not go into the hospital on a public holiday. Like, let's just wait. And so we waited till the next, to the Tuesday, went out for coffee, you know, like just really 
chilling out. And then I was like, okay, he's really, he ain't coming. There's nothing <laughs> happening here. And I was so shattered because I'd dreamt of this, you know, natural birth of my water's breaking and just like being at home for as long as possible, like um, laboring at home until the very last point. And that's what we'd planned. I'd had everything in place um, at that ideal birth plan. And I still think it's really important to have that what your ideal birth plan would look like and how you want to experience it, but also just have the flexibility of if things don't go to plan, be so okay with it. And that's really what I worked on even in those last couple of weeks was whatever happens is meant to happen. Whatever will be, will be. Um, The best thing is obviously he's safe, that he's here and that type of thing. Um, So, yeah, in the morning we went out for coffee and then went into the hospital and they just said, look, we do have to induce you. Like it's, it's gotten to the point where we can't let you go on. And I think if you have a home birth, it's a bit different. You've got that support system with you. But in the hospital, they are quite restricted in their um, allowance for like how long they let you go over. And I'm pretty sure the two weeks is even like their limit. I just pushed them a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Um, so then uh, went in and I think it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and I had the um, the drip of... And I forgot which hormone it even is, mind blank of that. Um, and that was like the start of the process. And honestly, <laughs> being induced is very different to experiencing a natural birth. Like it is just from zero to 100. And I reckon by 3.15, I was in intense labor. Like it was just oh so insane. Yeah, even I was shocked that how quickly it happened. And my partner and I were just not ready for it because we were just sitting there. And I thought, oh, should we call mom? Let her know like I'm in the hospital now. Do I get my best friend to come in? Like what do we do? And it was like, no, this is go time. Like we're going, not go time to have the baby, but just go time laboring. Mm. Um, And so really just went through the motions of it all. But like I said, it did really go from zero to a hundred really intensely. Um, And they say this has really a lot to do with your body and the natural hormone response that happens obviously as your waters break and like that there's a, a flow on effect when you're induced you don't quite get your body has doesn't have the time to catch up so it does go from zero to 100 because your natural um, pain um, hormones like to reduce the pain can't catch up to where you are so I tried like you know we did the shower um, did all of that tried to just relax as much as possible and go through it um, but like I said I had to really in my mindset work through the release your expectations of how this is going to go because it's not quite as we expected mm-hmm. um to be honest it wasn't it feels like it wasn't that long of a, of a labor but it was it was still a good I think like 18 hours or something of labor and then the next morning we just kept going through it kept going through it shower out of the shower in the shower bouncing on the wall doing all the things the playlist was going the candle mm-hmm. like the battery candles were lit creating like as much as as much of a calm state as I could um and then it at like maybe quarter to eight they were like okay we're ready like he's finally ready my god this kid just did not want to come out but he's finally ready to come out um and to be honest the this part was probably the most um scary for my partner for me no because I was in the zone but for him he was just like oh my god I nearly fainted 20 times like during this I'm like what I'm the one giving birth what do you mean but basically um I was just like in the right position to um to birth Henry and he was just getting stuck on my um on the dip basically as he was coming out he was like he was crowning but then coming back out crowning coming back out they said we've got you got one more shot 
to push him out. Otherwise, we, you're losing quite a lot of blood. He's starting to get quite stressed. Um, so we need you to do this. And for the 15 minutes, I literally had my eyes closed the entire time. So I didn't realize what was really going on. I was just pushing and, you know, doing my thing or breathing with him. Um, and then there was like 30 doctors and nurses in the room. And they said, you and you, I was like 10 seconds from being um, having to go into like emergency C-section because of the blood loss and everything. But I just had no idea. Like I yeah. literally, once I birthed him, I was like, oh, d- where are all these people coming <laughs> from? Like it was just such a shock. Um, but yeah, in that final breath to push him out, it was like the most incredible moment of just like you just, you know, like you cannot explain that moment as they come into that world, Earthside, like just the connection you have from that instance. And like I was actually just looking at photos before I think of like my face seeing him for the first time. <laughs> and it's just the most beautiful experience that you cannot fathom and you forget everything. You forget all the pain, you forget mm. um, all the preparation, everything. It's just you and the baby in that moment. And it's mm. the most special thing I think I've ever ever been through Mm, exactly because you put so much thought into the birth and like how it's going to go and you want the perfect birth but then it's like as soon as you see your baby you're like oh my god why did I care the baby is what I want like exactly you know that's one of the biggest lessons I think I learned and that I will always tell a new mom or like a pregnant mom is yes put a lot of effort into your birth plan and the and what you want to experience but also put like triple that that type of effort into like your postpartum literally like that is where all of that energy should go into breastfeeding into support into um like what what postpartum actually looks like because that is like that's life right whereas Mm. the birth is a couple of days like you know 24 hours 48 hours or something Mm. because that's the same with me like I had to I found out um that I had preeclampsia at 36 weeks and then um Ivy was breech as well so then I tried to turn it but I ended up everything just ended up that I had a c-section and that was literally the last thing that I wanted and same thing like (sighs) I just cried I had to like release everything and then when I had her I was like why did I none of it matters right yeah exactly I'm like it just exactly learning thing that now I'm like oh my god like yeah same thing that I tell mothers that are expecting I'm like put yeah put thought into it but at the end of the day like doesn't matter <laughs> like no. it matters but you and know we can't control you just cannot control mm. the birth very much like I I definitely believe in you know best case scenario of what we would like and how we want to experience it how they come into the world but I think when you remove that stress behind it and that expectation as a mother and just getting them here safely and getting you through it safely as well is far more important because you know health benefit wise like we obviously know a vaginal birth is going to be more beneficial with like the microbiome that they pick up and different things like that but a c-section is more safer for so many like for you safer in that instance and so therefore we can um build their gut health and build their immune health post-birth and yourself as well post-birth um when these things happen like now we know better we can do better like you don't need to put so much expectation on yourself either Mm. so um sorry to rewind you back a little bit there um (laughs) we're getting very excited with the birth um so was so firstly my first question was did you decide to have any pain relief at all or did you just go I did in the end so I didn't um I never intended to that was always my birth plan was like not to have anything and it's not to shame anyone from taking it I just really wanted to experience it in a particular way and go through it and obviously like risk 
risk factors of taking different things can be really um, full on. But like I said to you, when you are induced, it is like a zero to 100 and you just can't catch up. You really can't. So I had to really work on that in that moment, remove the judgment, remove the fear. Um, and I had epidural in the end. So I guess the one thing that I did appreciate with um, the epidural was you're, you're able to control the amount that you have. So you don't have to get like completely um, you know, paralyze the waist down. You can actually still feel the birth. So when I gave birth to him, I was stop. I stopped it from pumping through, so I could feel. Mm-hmm. And it sounds so weird that you'd want to feel that, but I did. I just wanted to be connected to what was happening, not have this sense of no control how it was going about as well. Mm. Yeah, mm. I love that. Yeah, that's if I ever had an epidural, I think I would do the same. And I love that yeah. you have the, have the choice to kind of do that. Yeah, um, I didn't even know you could either. Yeah. So were you able to move around at all or was it just you still had to be on the bed when you had the epidural? You still had to be on the you still had to be on the bed, I think, from probably a like um safety perspective, but I could still feel within my legs. Um, mm. I still had um a lot of sensations, which you could obviously completely like go hammer and tong on it, I'm sure, and not have that. But I just said to them, like, I don't really want a lot. I just want to take away the edge of um, what the induction kind of increased. Mm, yeah. And yeah. then so how how did your partner go post-birth after he saw everything? Like, so was he well, watching yeah. and stuff? Is that He was watching everything, yeah. So I was obviously in the zone and really breathing and um, really – connected to my body and connected to Henry but um Jamie was watching and he just said it was so intense and quite terrifying because he kind of sees me and sees the danger and like obviously when you go in you don't expect like 30 doctors to be standing there on call because obviously there was an alert called they all came rushing in which he didn't expect and neither did I to be honest I didn't know there was anything that wrong um and he just said it was quite terrifying in that moment just to be like, oh, my God, what's happening? Like one minute we're okay and then the next minute there's all these specialists and things walking in um, or rushing in. Um, but then as soon as like that final push came, like Henry was here and he just took that deep breath of like, okay, like safe, we're okay. She's okay now. He's okay. Um, but, yeah, he did. He, he's actually, we have like um, he has a seven-year-old son so he has been through the birth process but he said they were just you know completely different apples and oranges but this one was more terrifying just Mm. in the sense of who was in the room and the unexpected turn of events Mm. yeah definitely and I guess yeah they kind of feel really helpless the male that's what he said yeah it's really helpless because they can't really do anything like even during labor like they can only be your support in that moment and I do think it's super important whether it's your partner or someone else just to have a really good support person with you who you trust and completely can be super vulnerable and just you know go through it all with you Mm. um how did you feel post-birth um did you feel like really run down and exhausted with the blood loss or how did you feel with that surprisingly I think it was just adrenaline you know um post like straight away I think I was actually feeling really good like I went like surprisingly I went home within I think I was within like was within about 15 hours I think so it was within a day that I was back home which looking back I would much prefer to stay in hospital let the adrenaline wear off you know like have some time but at the same time going home to like my safe place going home to my family um was a good idea as well like just to be more comfort and things like that Mm -hmm. um but yeah post birth I actually felt really good obviously like 
uh, tender and, you know, bleeding and stuff like that. But for the, the amount of blood that I did lose, um, the rest was quite beautiful after it. It was fine. There was no complications until later, later, but um, go into that after. <laughs> but like in that first, you know, 24, 48 hour period, it was still, I was really um, quite surprised how fine I was. Mm. Did you need any stitches yeah. or anything like that? Yes. So I had, I think I had a fourth degree tear, so quite um, a bad one in that in that sense. Um, but, you know, like, I, you know, I love my collagen and I love all of my things that help repair the body. And so I, that's what I really was focused on post-birth. And the same thing, like, in the moment, you can't do anything about it. And Henry was a really big baby. He was a 10-pound baby. So... <laughs> It just it it happened. Happen. <laughs> yeah. It was bound to happen. And he was a surprise big baby. I had no idea he was going to be a big baby. Um, but it makes sense also. Like he just kept growing in there. He was just an overcooked baby. Um, but, yeah, I had the fourth degree tear. Um, and that, that was definitely like I felt that in times after. But it did take a while. Like adrenaline really does push us through as mothers to keep us going because, like, yeah, you're there and you've got to keep going from the, mm. from the day dot as they're here. Mm. literally no matter how exhausted or post-birth, which is crazy, mm. um, yeah, you do just need to keep going. Yeah, like I don't feel like now that you say that and I'm thinking back, I don't feel like the tiredness hit me until a few weeks in. Like I think yes. the doctors, the nurses would come and check on me after my C-section and I would yes. just be like awake or breastfeeding and then I'd be like, oh, like I don't even feel like that bad. I feel okay. No. <laughs> and so I talk to a lot of mothers about this, like my clients, because I feel like the moment you become a mother, your nervous system changes. And so we turn into like the protector. We turn, because of course you've got your little cub that you've got to protect, but you never switch off. So you're really always running on that cortisol and that adrenaline for quite some time, especially postpartum because your body's trying to heal. It's trying to produce milk. It's trying to protect someone. It's trying to do all these things. But even if you notice, probably still now, even with a 19-month-old, mm. even when you do go to sleep, you never really go into that deep sleep because you're ready for someone to come in. You're ready for someone to mm. cry. You're ready to feed. Um, and it happens literally, I think, for the, the rest of their lives because mm. we're forever. Like even my mum will tell me I'm 34 now and she probably still wakes at mm. night just thinking, oh, is Jo's going to call? Mm. Like is she okay? Is anything mm. wrong? Um, and no, that's what happens is like- I never- yeah. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, I literally, that like we literally spoke about that at the same time. <laughs> I Last night when I was going to bed, I was like, because I always feel like, yeah, like a bit like anxious, nervous. Yes. Like, and I'm like, she sleeps through the night now. Like she hardly ever wakes up. But I'm like, I still check that she's breathing before I go to yes. sleep. And I'm like, one thing I miss about before, like before being a mum is like, feeling like I can go to sleep and be relaxed <laughs> like being relaxed I know, as I sleep. And switching I'm like, off. yeah I'm like literally like ready to jump up and beat someone if like I need oh my god to. and like if you think about the amount of things that we think about it's okay so she went down at this time you're counting down the hours like okay so I go to bed now I'll still get this amount of sleep mm-hmm. I go to bed now I'll still get this amount of sleep or then in the morning you're like okay so she woke up at this time okay so now I need to nap time will be in five four three okay yep so it's this time mm-hmm. like we're forever just in overdrive we really are like it's no wonder postpartum that does go for years it's not just you know the 12 weeks or your six week checkup that that's not your postpartum um it is no wonder that so many mums burn out 
Mm. And sometimes like I, if she does randomly wake me up, my heart beats so fast straight away and I'm like thinking something's like, wrong. Yeah, and like because like, she sleeps on a floor mattress and sometimes yeah. she rolls off the mattress and then it's like a huge scream. Like <laughs> she's always fine but like then yes. I'm, I'm so worked up. So then when I and go back exactly. to bed, I'm like, oh, calm myself down. Yeah, <laughs> you can't just switch off. Like you can't just go back to sleep. Mm. It's like the sleep when the baby sleeps. Um, thing that everyone says like that is so great and I still think you should but how hard is it if someone said no you have to go to sleep now mm. right now yeah. not in two minutes not in five minutes right now it's really hard mm. to just wind yourself down and actually mm. go to sleep yeah and in those early <laughs> days you're like well she's probably going to wake up or they're probably going to wake up in, in two hours so exactly I sleep now like, I need to sleep right now so I can at least right now hours. <laughs> otherwise yeah. it's only 30 minutes or it's only like oh now I've only got five minutes till she wakes up and then you always fall asleep at the worst time anyway like mm. you'll probably always fall asleep five minutes before they wake up yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, how did you feel getting home then? Um, did you feel like you had a good support network around you post-birth? Yes, that was one thing I was spoken to about pre-baby and that I think is really, really important is your support network and just having friends and family, I guess, that understand your priorities in post postpartum and post-birth because everyone's very different. Some people like to be surrounded. Some people just like a bit of time to be, you know, just with your core unit, so like the, your partner, kids, whatever. Um, so I was a bit, because obviously that was my first child, so I didn't really know what I wanted, but I've expressed to everyone at the beginning, look, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel, but I would like to just have <clears throat> at least some time with our core unit, just getting used to being a mum, just getting used to that. So whilst I love and adore everyone and want you to meet Henry and want all of this, I do just want some time at home first. And I'm really glad that I've even voiced that because there's so much expectation from our friends and family to see you like the moment you give birth. And when I think back to, you know, even in my early 20s when I had friends who'd had babies, like we would go to the hospital and see them or, you know, like day one, day two, we'd be at their house straight away. And I thought that's what is the right thing to do. But now after giving birth, I see like, you really do need to give them a bit of time. And it, it, like I said, everyone's really different, but I really needed that time to just sink into where we were. Um, and, yeah, sorry, is the phone going off? Not uh, ideal. Um, I can't really hear it. <laughs> but, oh, good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like just having that first moment just with like, you know, my partner and our, and his son and like and having that core unit of family my parents and his parents were fine and then we waited at least a week before we had any friends come over and then I guess um you know I do believe in having this village to help you I had my best friend come over um within that time because she was just really she's an osteo so she was really great you know giving me a treatment and helping me um you know get through that first phase and giving Henry treatments because I think it's really important you know after birth they've been squashed up in there, like allow them to like have a, a relaxation treatment and stuff like that to open them up and open up and make sure everything's flowing. Um, but then I had a really beautiful postpartum journey after that as well with like my my network of my girlfriends and, and family and friends who would come over. And I think this is really important that they come over with food mm-hmm. or come over with help um, because, again, when you, before you have kids, you probably think, oh, I'll just go over and I'll take them a onesie, like I'll take them mm. a present, that's what mm. they want. But really what you actually want is that support around um, having 
um, you know, having food in the freezer so you don't need to do that, having someone clean or like get that or help someone with the taking um, the kids to school or whatever it might be, that's actually where you need the support or to hold the baby while you have a shower. Mm. Like those things are actually what we want not the latest like seed and country road outfit Mm. and I love how you said that you kind of contacted or like spoke to your friends before that you weren't sure what you needed and I think that's really great to like have that communication because then yeah once you know what you need and you can put that out there it's like exactly and I think there's such a difference as well between your friends that have already had kids and those who don't have kids and so the ones who have kids like one of my friends would come over and straight away went to my kitchen did all my dishes made me a sandwich and I'm like oh my god (laughs) And then, yeah, other friends are like who don't have kids will be like, oh, I'll sit here and hold the baby. And sometimes you don't want anyone else to even hold you. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. And that's so true. And I probably didn't realise this pre-kids either. But, like, you don't actually want someone there to hold the baby usually. You actually just need help with all of the other tasks that are piling Mm. up around you, like the washing, the cooking, the cleaning, the et cetera. Like, that's actually where you need the postpartum support holding because you're just trying to connect with your baby you're just trying to bring your milk in you're trying to do all of these things that being someone else holding the baby isn't always the Mm. best and as well like your baby's so fresh only knows you they don't always want to be held either Mm. oh and do you know what one thing I didn't realize was when people like honestly love all my friends smells so if anyone's listening but when your baby would come back just smelling like just anyone else or like the perfume and it's like is what is with their skin is it just so absorbent that they just smell like whoever else for the rest of the day (laughs) and it literally is even just their scent their natural Mm. scent of someone you're like oh my god what yeah. How are you smelling like that person? Yeah. But yes, do not wear perfume if you are listening. Do not wear perfume going to see a new baby mm. for one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or anything like too strong, too powerful because mm. their little noses can't handle it either, but neither can we because yeah. our senses are so strong. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy. Even like Ivy comes back from daycare now, like the daycare rooms have like a smell to them, but it's like not a bad yes. smell, but I'm like I can just smell it in her hair and like smell it Something. on her clothes. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, yeah, I'm like I think it's just because um. they're like your little child that you're like you have new things happening with you, <laughs> new smells. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, so did anything come up for you um, that you didn't expect postpartum? Yes. So I had one um, scare again postpartum and that was that I actually had some retained placenta that I didn't realise. So when um, Henry was born, obviously they removed my placenta, but bits and pieces had broken. So they thought they got everything. They looked and tried to do it all. And I didn't realise until seven weeks postpartum where I was still like bleeding on and off, which I was like, okay, that's fine. Like again, normal, everyone has a different healing process. And obviously I had the tears, so it was like that. Then in the seven weeks, um, I had um, the a bleed come through. I went into hospital. I might, literally I was standing in the middle of the night and it just felt like a lot of blood had come out. But what it actually came out was a chunk. So a chunk of, and I didn't know what it was. It was on a blood clot. Was it something? It was actually a piece of placenta that had come out, rolled down my leg out onto the floor. What? And I was like, onto the floor? Yes, onto the floor. <laughs> Wait, where were you? Was, were you at home? I was at home, thankfully, <laughs> in my pyjama pants. So Not thankfully, the cafe. That was fine. But it was like this huge, the size of the palm of my hand. And I was like, that's not a blood clot. Like thinking, what could it possibly be? And then I called the maternal health line thinking like, oh, my God, what's happened? And she just said, get to the hospital. This isn't normal. Something's happened. Um, and so 
when I did that, they're like, okay, this is seems like a retained placenta, did the um, ultrasound and everything. And then I went into emergency surgery straight away because they're like, you have to get it out. This can turn septic and this is quite dangerous. So obviously that is really quite nerve-wracking. And as a breastfeeding mom, mm. I was like, wait, what? And, you know, when things are unprepared, I hadn't prepared enough milk or I didn't have enough in the freezer because we were just getting used to each other, mm. still bleed up. Uh, uh, breastfeeding and like doing some trying to introduce some bottle of breast milk but I hadn't really established you know to have this as your backup and all that because we were just getting used to it um and so when that happened I freaked out because obviously I didn't have enough so when I was in hospital they're like okay we'll put you into surgery in the morning and give you some time to pump and I'm like okay but I can only feed and pump as much as I can um and so yeah that was really quite nerve-wracking and stressful um, I was in hospital for a week with that oh um, and I had 16 rounds of antibiotics. Oh, my gosh. So, and, obviously, yeah. someone and you knowing like everything so about gut healthy, <laughs> yes, and mm. like antibiotics, obviously, when they're needed, they are mm. totally needed. But the, the hospital was like, look, we have to kind of give you all of these different types because we're just trying to, like, with, it is quite serious having any placenta retained, but we have to be very careful that nothing else goes wrong in this um we clean out everything and do all that and so like you have to just roll with it but breastfeeding i know that i'm passing on everything i know antibiotics are going to wipe out your gut bacteria um and like i know how important it is to have a thriving gut bacteria and gut ba- microbiome <clears throat> post-birth anytime but especially post-birth when i'm trying to give all my good bacteria to my baby through breast milk um so again shock in that moment as well of like oh my god what do we do but like i said even at the beginning with going through an emergency c-section anything like that we now know better and we now know what we can do to help this situation whereas say like 20 30 years ago if this happened to like my mom where i was born via c-section we didn't have really that very that knowledge of like okay so if this happens do xyz this will help your baby this will help you um it was just like okay keep going you'll be right we'll work it out yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So that was a very interesting po- post birth. And, you know, I was still trying to heal at that time mm. and um, get used to it all. And I just started, I actually went back to work really early and I just started back with clients that week. Oh. So I was like, what do I do? Mm. What is going on? Um, thankfully, I have great clients. So they all understood, obviously, completely out of control um, to go through that. Uh, and I had beautiful nurses actually one of the nurses was one who delivered henry so she came back and um that was really beautiful even just because they like we never get to see babies after we only see them you know then and i was like oh my god like this is such a nice moment for such a like not the best moment at the same time so what happened was um henry able to be with you in hospital for that week Yes, thankfully. And so Jamie, my partner, obviously stayed as well. Um, Henry could stay the whole time. And I just rested throughout like the prep. And then they also gave me a pump because again, like I was, I just went in, like I didn't take anything. I didn't take a pump with me. Uh, and then I just pumped prior to the surgery um, and just bulked up as much as I could. And then post-surgery could give him everything again. But as you know, right at the beginning, they're feeding so frequently that, you know, being away from them for a few hours is quite a long time yeah definitely yeah. and it is like such a stressful thing to know like because I yeah. was on um 
blood pressure medication for six weeks after birth and I was breastfeeding as well and I was just like what is she she's obviously getting this as well and so yes. I just personally didn't know what effect that would have so yes. yeah like I guess this is probably a good chance to talk about like if that kind of happens what can we do to help out help support our gut and our baby's gut I guess definitely so I guess from a nourishment perspective when we're looking at especially micro microbiome wise like making sure your baby is building their microbiome because we know the microbiome and our gut is also our immune system so like the lower that is then we have immune issues and then you get a lot of like really low immunity as they're growing up and like all of the other issues and there's digestive issues like the constipation stuff like that so of course we do want to nourish that gut from a perspective of what can you do as a mother i think the best thing is um to start from the very basics just look at what you're eating as well because i know as a mother you just think oh i don't have time i'm just going to make a quick toasty or i'll just have you know cereal or i don't have time for breakfast i'll just have a coffee or, or whatever a chai or something so you always put yourself on the back burner thinking i don't have time i just i've got to get this done so then i can feed him again or like i don't have time to make anything because i'm feeding literally 24 7 is what it feels like at the start so get back to the basics of nourishing yourself and not putting yourself last in that moment. And it does sound hard, but it's obviously like your, it should be just your non-negotiable. Have friends that come over and bring you food and things. Um, and then start from your basics of like, you know, really good quality proteins, good quality veggies, um, and literally variety is key when it comes to veggies. Like just have all different types. Um but getting those quality proteins and even organ meats are amazing. So, you know, your beef livers and stuff like that or spleen. Um, back in like our caveman days, these were our normal foods that we used to eat. But I really, from an iron perspective, I genuinely say an organ meat is like um, a multivitamin. It literally has all of your like vitamin A's and K's and stuff in it. But it also has really high protein that you can absorb far better than any synthetic supplement so you don't have to start eating organ meats just get a good quality um like either a spleen or a liver supplement mm. um so you can either do like a cod liver oil if you're needing something from a fish but otherwise like a beef liver beef spleen are really great in those high protein um are better obviously and getting those healthy vitamins then making sure you're getting your healthy fats and stuff like that in so and filtered water so filtered water versus, you know, your tap water because you want to remove as much toxic overload as you can for the body. So I would say start there for one, just your very basics of nourishing and have someone um, have like a bulk cook up for you. So you've got your lunches and dinner set. Do overnight oats or, you know, a slow cooker oats so that every morning you can just grab what you need and eat it as you go. Chia puddings, one pan dishes. So, you know, you throw like your chicken and your veggies and you throw it in the oven. It's ready in 20 minutes. Like, so you can be feeding at that time. Not things that you need to be constantly stirring or making or salads and stuff like that that are really just time consuming. Mm -hmm. um, so start there for one. Then in regards to like your microbiome diversity, obviously the foods you eat actually create that, that diversity. So that's why we say variety is key. But then from a probiotic point of view, especially when you've had <clears throat> 
antibiotics or like pharmaceutical medication and things like that, adding in a probiotic at this time is a really good idea. I was just saying to a client before, I actually don't recommend a probiotic 24-7, like every single day for your life. You do not need it. You're getting um, a lot of the balance of your microbiome from the foods that you're eating and everything else that you're consuming and doing. But there are times and places to introduce a probiotic. And one of them is post-birth and one of them is, you know, pregnancy. And one would be like post-antibiotics as well. It does come down to strains too. So again, variety is key because, and this is what I was just explaining was um, and why we don't take a probiotic every day. Say you have a garden and you're wanting to grow some zucchini, some tomatoes, some lettuce, some spinach, but you're throwing in sunflower seeds and you're like, why is nothing growing? But you're just literally throwing sunflower seeds. So sunflowers grow. It's the same with our probiotic. Usually we're only taking one strain. And so we throw that in and then like, well, why is our gut thriving? Well, because we actually need so many different types of bacteria to have a healthy thriving gut. Um, so that's one place to look at. I do also recommend, so taking a good quality probiotic during this time for the mum, but also baby. So even if it's breast milk, um, if you're having breast milk and having it in a bottle, you can pop it into that. Um, as they start taking solids, you can like mix it into yogurts and stuff like that. And Kiara probiotic is a really good one for their particular strains that they use for babies, um, gut diversity, or they're even a couple of other brands that I would say are good for like um, babies specifically. But, you know, speak to a health practitioner to get the right strain that you need, um, considering what your lifestyle is, what your um, nutrition is, what your post-birth story was, all that kind of stuff. That will all come into play as to what strains will help you and your baby thrive. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think, is it the Kiara? Kiara, is that how you say it? <laughs> is yeah, that the one? Yes. Um, is it, you can like, it comes with like a little spoon and you can mix it up yes. into a paste and then... Was yes. it like you put it on your nipple if you're breastfeeding? Yes, yeah. exactly. You can do that if you're breastfeeding. So if you're not doing any bottles, that's the best way to get it into your baby as well. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I was just thinking then we we skipped your feeding journey. How did that go? <laughs> yes. Okay, so this is why I always say look into postpartum more than your uh, birthing experience because, this was actually a bit more of a shock to me how it all goes about. Like I obviously talk to clients about this all the time, but experiencing it for yourself is so different. Um, and I think like there's just so much expectation on and on on us all that having support around these areas is really um, key. So I always say like, please get a lactation consultant either just before you have a have your baby or post birth, just to help you navigate. You know any like um, hardships that you come up to, like any like things like that or just like what the hell am I doing? Like literally sometimes you're like, what is this? Is this right? Is it not right? And um, so mine was a little bit harder than I expected it to be. I When Henry was born, he literally did that baby crawl. Like you know how they do it up to your nipple and I was like, oh, my God, like this is incredible. He's just a tell, like he's latched on his own. Like, oh, my God, this is like so beautiful and uh, more amazing than I ever thought. But then... Um, he was a big baby, like I said, and I have little arms. Like I was just not, it was so, he was just hard to hold in like a natural position. And that I did not know was a mm. thing. Like I just thought you could hold him, they mm. feed and you're done. Mm. Um, so then when we went home, it was just trying to find the right position. And like they, I'd call like the maternal health nurse or my maternal health nurse that would come and visit at home. I was like, oh my gosh, which way do I hold him? And she would show me the football hold, show me like the laying down side one. 
but they show you for three seconds. Like it's so quick because, of course, they're not a lactation consultant. So mm. they would latch him on and then walk away because obviously it worked. But for me, then when they would leave, if he didn't latch perfectly that first time, I'm like, oh, my God, how do I now? What do I do? Mm. And so um, we had a lot of trouble um, at the very beginning with his latch. And it's definitely to do with like jaw size and, you know, there's tongue tie issues and there's all of these types of things that I didn't really even look at or know to look at or know to be aware of. Um, and so, uh, yeah, had some latching issues, did have a couple of appointments with some lactation consultants that helped, um, but I actually ended up needing to use a nipple shield for a while, which I didn't know mm. I would need to do that. Um, so had that, had the nipple shield that helped a lot, but again, I didn't have the best advice to say like, how long do you use the nipple shield for? Cause they were just like band-aid approach, use this, it'll help. And it did made it much easier with his latching, but it didn't improve the issue and the root cause of his latching. So then it took me a really long time to get to it with like, to check tongue ties, to check oral development and stuff like that. And to be brutally honest, I'm still on that journey. I'm still on the journey of looking at um, he's a mouth breather at sleeping at night. Um, he was waking hourly until after 12 months. Mm. So like waking hourly day and night, never sleeping longer than that and not a sleep cycle issue, literally a nervous system mouth breathing. Like he can't, he can't stay relaxed to go to sleep kind of thing. And so we're still on this, on this journey of getting to the root of what's going on with his breathing. So like, you know, throat stuff going on. But that's why I also say like have these support crew around you that can say, oh, have you looked at this? Have you looked at that? Um, just to really check in with it all. Yeah. So what kind of things yeah. have you done um, now to help with that? Is he getting any better? Is it still out? He's slowly getting better, slowly getting better. I wish I had a baby that slept through the night. He's not that baby. He's definitely a barnacle baby still as well. Like some babies do need more closeness than others. And he's one of that. I've come to the realization that it's okay that he wants to be close to me, mm. like not to judge myself that he doesn't, he, he isn't just an independent baby that wants to be left alone. He actually just wants to be close. Um, but from the perspective of his health, like we've seen a couple of specialists, a few won't see him until he's a bit older. Um, we've had like five sleep consultants. So I went down the journey of like, what am I doing wrong? Mm. Um, had chiros and osteos look at him and it is definitely coming down to, he doesn't have any tongue ties or lip ties or anything, but it is coming down to just jaw development. And this can actually be in the, like when he's conceived, mm. some vitamin deficiencies in that moment. Um, that then is the way his jaw is developed in the womb. And then obviously post-birth um, and can also be as well um, hereditary, like how dad's jaw is, how mum's jaw is, all that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of where we're at at the moment. <clears throat> working with a holistic dentist to make sure he's like developing in this area really well. Um, the mouth breathing is obviously an issue. There's so many um, diseases in the body come from that. And so many behavioral things can come from that. Deficiencies can come from that. And so it's really important if you do have a mouth breathing baby, just to get it looked at, just to make sure you know what's going on. Um, but he's definitely getting better as he's growing older for sure, but it's still something that we're addressing. So he's going to do some studies and stuff to make sure that it doesn't become a problem later on down the track. Mm. So if you have a mouth yeah. breather, like who would you suggest seeing? Like, cause I just like, would you go to your GP to start or is it better to go to like a naturopath or? Um, I like? would say first go to your GP and it's only because, well, first I actually went to sleep consultants. So ones that were more holistic in their approach, not just like, this is when they have a routine and stuff like that because I knew in my, I guess, in my gut that 
it wasn't just a routine thing because we had a couple of consultants that come to help with, you know, do this to help them relax, to go to sleep, do this and whatever. And it wasn't changing his sleep patterns and wasn't changing anything, which is then they said, oh, there's some red flags that aren't um, necessarily related to his sleep hygiene and that type of thing. It's more related to his um, his development in, within his growth and within his body. Uh, and nervous system as well. So they were like, okay, this is your red flags. They gave me a couple of recommendations for osteos, chiros, and um, like holistic dentists. Mm. Then, so I seen all of those and that definitely helped like having his nervous system reset, having, you know, letting him just kind of um, work with the osteos and chiros in that sense. And then went to the GP to have the referrals for specific um, like ENT specialists. Mm, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. There's like a little path people can follow if they feel like that's yeah. what they're going through. Yeah. And always trust your gut because I was actually told like at the beginning from my maternal health nurse, it's fine. Mouth breathing's fine. And then the more I researched, the more I realized, I'm like, actually, it's not. There's so many things related back to mouth breathing it's that sleep apnea but it is like they're not getting enough oxygen when they're doing that so he was catching his breath during the night like he's like <laughs> because mm. he was mouth breathing and like actually not breathing properly mm. um and then even behavioral issues down the line iron deficiencies down the line they can all relate back to it so that's definitely like anything mm. you're just like mm, is this normal is this not just just go and speak to someone and ask Mm, so interesting. Um, yeah. So with your postpartum, were there things that you decided to um, focus on, particularly while you were pregnant? Um, like, say, for example, like sleep or like, um, yeah, like your environment. Was there anything that you focused on? And yeah, how did that go? So I would say like for postpartum wise, my like non-negotiables of what I say to focus on, I think... And I say, like, come back to your basics because they are our basics, but we just get so overwhelmed with everything else going on. But number one is have, like, it does take a village. It really does. And I think when you're in the thick of it, you do need that support around you just to know you're not going crazy because you are sleep deprived and you don't know what you're doing. Like, you've just been given this baby and you actually have no idea what you're meant to do, but you're meant, you're expected to know what to do mm. um, and it's meant to come naturally to you. And some things do come naturally, but you also want to know you're doing it right kind of thing. And it is just really stressful in those first few months of, of getting to know your baby. Like, it's a new little human in front of you. It's a new little person. You're building this relationship with them. They're trying to build a relationship with you and find this like common ground together um it is a lot so have a village around you that you know supports you with cooking new meals cleaning taking all that extra extra worry and overwhelm away from you so you can be a mum and you can just be this um have that moment with you and baby um that's number one is definitely that village to support you then i say a couple of things you can do on the daily to help you one is purely get outside and I say this, get outside with the morning sunlight if you can and get that sun on your eyes, even on overcast day, but get that daylight onto your eyes because one, it helps us set our circadian rhythm. And especially as a, when we're um, in those first like few months where baby doesn't have their own circadian rhythm, it's really important for us to then know what is day and what is night because they don't know. They're up you know, all the time feeding day and night. But we want our bodies to still keep the this is 7 a.m. and this is 7 p.m. Um, kind of thing. So you feel a bit of uh, sanity, if that even makes sense. But also getting that vitamin D is really beneficial for our, um, obviously, like our immune system. It gives us more energy um, and it gives us more clarity in the day as well. It gives us, gives us that more serotonin boost as well for happiness um, 
and everything around that. So I would say that would definitely be one thing is just to get outside if you can. Even if you can't walk, don't worry. Even if you don't have the energy to walk, don't worry. Just go sit outside for a moment um, and have that moment for yourself as well. The other couple of things I would say um, that probably like don't think about is breath work. And it doesn't need to be like a really big routine. It is more just to help your nervous system that is in overdrive from the overwhelm of all the thoughts and the sleep deprivation. Just come back to your breath. And the very simple thing is breathing in for even like four counts. Just as long as that exhale is longer, that resets your nervous system to be in the parasympathetic nervous system. So, you know, breathe in for four, hold for four and breathe out for eight. And honestly, when you do it, Hold and exhale. Like you can feel the difference, like instantly. If you do one of those breaths every time you feed, every time you feel them wake, it just keeps you from going into that fight or flight and that nervous system of pumping out the cortisol. Because if you're pumping cortisol, you're giving your baby cortisol and they pick up on it through breast milk, they pick on it, pick up on it through your energy. Like they feel your stress, they feel your anxiety building. And it is really hard not to have that. I get it. Like it is just a natural instinct. But if we can control it to some degree, it just allows you and your baby just to not be running on adrenaline and cortisol all the time. Um, and then the very final thing I would say is actually um, mindful eating. So again, you know, your friends have prepared all your food or you've been bulk, bulk cooking, so you've got all these leftovers. When you do eat, don't just shovel it in just to tick another thing off your list. Actually chew your food, breathe and really enjoy it. One, for the actual absorption. Like you don't want to be eating something and you're not even getting it because it's just going in one end and out the other because you're too stressed. But helping that digestion, helping that to allow for those bowel motions post-birth, we all know they are quite intense. So you want to be able to really make sure that your body is absorbing the food and absorbing those nutrients to give you that strength, to give you that energy, to keep you going, to produce more breast milk if you're feeding, um, all of that kind of stuff, and to not have any digestive issues in that um, section in that section of postpartum as well. Mm, yeah, awesome. Yeah. I love all those tips. And there are some things that I didn't even think about. And even now I'm like, yeah. I used to do breath work and stuff when I was pregnant just to help like yes. if I went into birth. And I literally haven't done it since. And I'm like, that's what I need to do before I go to bed at night. <laughs> right. It's like the so simplest thing. So even with clients, I say um, a really good way to remember to breathe because it sounds so silly, like remember to breathe, but it's such an unconscious thing that we do like we're breathing now without having to think about it which is amazing keeps us alive but to switch us from sympathetic uh, from the sympathetic which is your fight or flight to your parasympathetic attach it to something so like something really easy is when you're making your um best break coffee <laughs> when you're doing that literally like take the moment of pressing the buttons or whatever however you make your coffee to breathe even if it's just one of those breaths that we spoke about like four and four hold eight out when you do that rather than making your coffee whilst unpacking the dishwasher or making everyone lunch, you know, trying to like do all the things. If you just attach it to a daily task, it actually reminds you to breathe. So I always do it when I'm doing coffee. Mm -hmm. And every time there's a red light, I'll always stop and take the breath in rather than like, you know, sitting in the car, the red light happens and you're just like, oh, great. Now I have to sit here and wait. And like, oh, now I'm like late in traffic and you go into the overdrive. Mm -hmm. Taking that deep breath just allows you to really like Calm that nervous system. If you attach it to something, it just makes it a um, and it begins to be an unconscious and more of a uh, something you can sustain for long term. Mm. A habit you can sustain. Yeah, awesome. Um, so if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Ooh. 
Oh, my gosh. Love this question. I would say, I would actually say work more on your postpartum journey than your, or preparing for postpartum journey than your birth. I think still give, like 100% still give yourself the preparation for birth because, again, it's something unexpected and, um, you know, you want to prepare the body for birth. But prepare yourself for what's coming afterwards and have the support around you for that journey because it is such a big life change for your body and for your mind and for you. Just have the support nourishment-wise, village-wise, and um, education-wise on what's coming in those postpartum. And whether it even be like, you know, not just the postpartum for a couple of months or anything, like really what's coming over the next 12 months, couple of years, and what to expect in that sense. Um, Not to overwhelm you, but just to know what's coming for you. Um, But really, yeah, just give yourself that grace period as well post-birth of um, don't have to do anything. Mm, yeah I love that I love the that you said expectations because I always thought you know like once I get to the three month like when she's three months old I'll be able to like do this and do that and I'm like it's so stupid I would say like I didn't start to feel normal again until like 12 months like when she had her first birthday I was like oh things are easing up easing up a bit like yes (laughs) and as if you thought that I like as if Anyone doesn't expect when you're on maternity leave, it's like, oh, don't you just like take babies and go for coffee and like you're walking the streets and like you just always have baby in the pram and doing all these things. Like, no, every baby is different. Every postpartum journey is different. Do not have expectations on yourself on what you should and shouldn't be doing. Mm. Just trust your gut too of like you and your baby, only you know your baby. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like at the start, Ivy would not lay in a bassinet when I when she was in her Yes. Pram. I'm like, why isn't she just like having a sleep while I go for a walk to get a coffee? She'd oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so honestly, like that is a big thing too. Like uh, every new mum I meet, and I was probably the same, but you buy the fancy new bassinets, you buy all this fancy stuff. Some babies don't even want to go in it. Most of them just want to lay near you, lay on you, be near you, mm. um, which as a mum, you have this expectation of, no, I need to put my baby down. Like mm. I need to put it down. And also because you probably need a breather. Mm. but they probably need your they may need the support from you to sleep to feed and all of that kind of stuff so yeah remove the expectation of society mm. of where you need to be and just um, do what you think is right in that moment yeah exactly like as soon as I stopped thinking like what I needed to do like I just got the floor bed because she loves to cuddle to sleep yes. there's no way I'm like now I'm like I'm so chill about everything because it doesn't matter because this is what works for us like and I swear this is why women have numerous babies is because you then go oh I know what I'd do next time like I would so be so fine with this and that's why when you have your second like they say your second your third like you forget like the baby books you forget all that because you're just way more chilled Mm. about it like you Mm. actually know what matters and what doesn't Mm. yeah definitely and it's like you can't yeah you could never go in as a first time mom thinking like you just have to experience it there's no you totally have to experience it it is nothing no one can tell you no other mom can tell you you just have to do it and then well anyway every baby's different so your next baby might be like completely different sleeper completely different bed yeah. like they actually might like it on their own some mm. don't like it's yeah you cannot mm. expect anything mm, exactly um did you want <laughs> did you want to quickly chat about your new um your new offering that i've noticed oh <gasps> yes oh my god absolutely so um i so i had my core my my uh core program which is banish the bloat and that is really like a one-on-one working 
which is amazing. But I do have an, uh, um, a new program starting in November. So I created this. It's called Nourish to Flourish, and it is the ultimate reset. And I've specifically done it before the silly season because so much of us right now are sitting in this nervous system overdrive. We're like at capacity. My cup is not full from good things. It's overflowing from stress and overwhelm and anxiety of what is coming in the next few months what we've been through in the last few years and, you know, like there's so many things going, you want to do something, you want to put yourself first and make yourself a priority in your health, but you just think, how the hell am I meant to, like, I don't have the capacity to do a bloody program right now. Like I don't have capacity to follow these meal plans. I don't have capacity to do all the things that she's going to make me do. So I created this program to support you and reduce this overwhelm. So my focus during the four weeks is you get um, obviously meal plans, so you so you don't have to think about what to eat, but it supports you in nourishing you. So you get that energy, you get that motivation back and that drive back to one, have capacity to do things for yourself. We're resetting the nervous system, just like I was talking about in postpartum wise, but resetting that nervous system so you have more capacity within yourself. Because as you know, when we're so full of overwhelm, we actually have a threshold and your body just goes, I cannot take on any more. And so little things start to get get you're overwhelmed and you just can't do anything. You literally like stop in that freeze. Um, so resetting the nervous system. And then my other main goal in the four weeks is to prepare your body for really stressful periods, aka the silly season, eating out all the time, drinking more than usual, socializing more than usual, routines are out of whack because it's all well and good to have a great routine. If I wake up at this time, I eat at these times, I go to bed at this time, and you probably do thrive with that. But in the silly season, we're out later at night, you know, you're eating different foods, you're eating more, probably not the best foods, um, you're drinking more. So the body's just like, what? And then you get sick and, you know, everyone knows the silly season. January's hard because you've been drinking and eating too much and then you get sick, you have painful periods. All of that comes through it. So my, um, my purpose throughout this program is to really set your body up for nourishment wise so that you can handle the silly season, set your nervous system up so you know how to handle busier periods. And then also to educate you on what to eat, what and all that kind of stuff when you are drinking and to support your body because very well and good for me to say, don't drink, don't eat crap food. You're going to do it anyway. So at least let's support the body so you can enjoy yourself socially. You don't get bloated after going to one event. Um, you can eat out, catch up with friends and enjoy this social season for what it is whilst having a really nourishing and flourishing health. Mm, I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. Such a great idea and such like a, a good little thing to do before it all kicks off. <laughs> yeah, like get your body ready so that you can enjoy yourself for once and not mm. be so stressed out all the time throughout December. Mm, are the muffins included? <laughs> yes, these muffins will be included. <laughs> I love it. These are actually my favourite blue um, banana muffin. so get onto it. The <laughs> recipe's on my Instagram if you find it. Like this is my background of beautiful banana chocolate chip muffins. Yeah, Jasmine's decided to put muffins as behind her as her picture. So <laughs> I've had some nice muffins to look at this whole chat. The whole time. <laughs> now I need some muffins in my life. <laughs> Making you hungry. Yes, definitely. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been so great having you on and um, catching up with where you're at with everything. So thank yeah. you. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. It was so nice to reflect back on you really do just keep going don't you like you kind of forget to reflect back on it all and it's it's really beautiful just to remember the whole journey and I think it's really nice as a new mom or an expecting mom is just to look at other people's experiences just to 
say, oh, okay, that's what happened with her. Like, so then it's not all so overwhelming as well. Yeah, like you have a better idea of what to expect, you know. Yeah, Exactly, exactly. But thank you so much for having me. Like, it's been a long time coming. I'm so glad we got to finally chat. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got a lot out of today's chat with Jasmine. If you want to follow Jasmine, she shares so much epic content on her Instagram. You can follow her at thewholesome.heart and that's where you'll find all the information about her new course as well. Um, Yeah, thanks so much for listening.